Okay, so um, I guess we're ready to roll. Sure, sure. Um, so I guess I had a strong reaction to both podcasts, uh, the Why We Are Different podcast and the um, the Restitution podcast. Uh, for Why We Are Different, I've, I I don't know exactly the feeling, but it, it well, I guess it was a lot of anxiety. Um, and the thoughts I was having were like, what if I've plateaued, right? What if I'm one of the people that's just going to end up drifting away, you know? You mean from FDR, the philosophy as a whole? Um, I think from FDR in particular, but you know, also from, because you were talking more, you were talking about philosophy, like, generally, right? Um, and FDR specifically, if that's, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I mean, my obvious belief is that FDR is the best philosophical resource on the planet. So I think it's hard to stay with philosophy and not with FDR at some level. Which is not to say that it's mm -hmm. the only place or the only thing of value that can come out of uh, a philosophy. But you know, if you're into philosophy, then I think it's it's a it's tough to make the cases to sort of drifting away. I think people drift away because they generally want to pull back from philosophy as a whole, rather than uh, particularly applied philosophy, uh, rather than for any other reason. So I sort of put those two hand in hand. Right, right. And that's, I, I didn't separate those things in my mind. Um, I mean, I was thinking about FDR in particular, but uh, it was the general rule of, you know, philosophy and, and, and the, it was, it's not FDR that is, you know, talk, it's not FDR's morality, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah, not for sure. morality. Of course not, right. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's the objective. Um, right. But I mean, if you're into your reason and evidence and self-knowledge, again, I just, I don't know if a better resource out there Otherwise, mm -hmm. I'd join that and stop. <laughs> I mean, obviously, right, that, that's my, you know, whoever is designing the car thinks it's the best car. Otherwise, they design something different, right? Uh, so sure. uh, so I think it's the best resource. And uh, so, but that's, I guess, neither here nor there. So please continue. Right. Um, and I didn't, the, the timeline or the series of events was that I had that thought, you know, uh, and I didn't do anything with it, so it just sort of went into the ether. Right? Uh, which thought? Oh, the thought that um, the 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 question with the implication that I have, like oh, that you might plateau I've already plateaued. Right? Oh, that you might already yeah, have. You know, that I've plateaued. Right. I, I might have, or I will, or I already have, or um, you know that that's and that's pretty much going to be the end of philosophy for me, right? Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't remain curious with that thought. And so when you emailed me about, you know, the, the admin thing, I was all kinds of, you know, I, I'm trying to, I, I don't want to use a word that's not correct, but it seems to me like a kind of acting out. All right. Um, and then I realized I was going in circles in my head. And that was, that's a signal to me, at least at, at the moment, that something's going on. Um, and that's when I, I think I sent you two more emails. So one slightly less frantic and then one like, okay, I've had some thoughts about this and I'd really like to talk about it. Um, which I hope was, I hope landed a little bit better than the other two. Right, right. And, 
know, as far as timing went, you, you had your vacation. So um, it it's not that it's gone away. It's sort of lessened uh, a bit. And also the thought that, you know, the, the, the accompanying thought to uh, what if I've plateaued was the, the memory of how I've treated my brother um, when we were children, mm-hmm. especially when we were children. Because um, you were talking about not having harmed anybody. And I was like, well, I know I've harmed my brother for sure because he's complained about it, you know? Yeah. And in particular, it was children, right? Yeah. Right. In particular, not, not, not having harmed people and not having harmed children, right? Um, and people are smaller than me. My brother's been smaller than me my entire life, you know? Right. Um, so, you mean he's like human size compared to your gigantic fest, right? Okay. <laughs> he's a tall guy. Yeah, he's yeah. A tall guy, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, sorry, come on. <laughs> he's he's not quite that much shorter than me, but yeah, he's definitely um, you know, definitely. Uh, I was two years younger than me, so that's just sort of how how it goes, right? Right. Um, and for the restitution, and not to skip over anything, I don't think I am, but for the restitution podcast, I felt some relief. Actually, no, let me back up just a little bit. Um, I sort of was able to stop the cycle by saying, at least factually, I'll never be the guy that didn't beat up my brother, right? So that's something I have to live with no matter what, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it, like, that doesn't, like, mean anything in particular, but I, I think it at least is, like, well... Whatever, however far I go, this is just what's you know, what's happened in my life. It's, it's nothing I can do about the past. Um, and the restitution podcast helped further in that my brother has not, or ha- has has expressed an anti desire uh, to to uh, pursue any sort of restitution whatsoever. Um, so in that way. He doesn't want it from me, and he's also done things, you know, to provoke me into various things. But I, I wouldn't say it's on this. I, I, I kind of don't know if it's on the same level. But even so, even even if even if his baby has nothing to do with it, he's not interested in anything I have to offer. Um, and this is granted. This is a couple of years ago that we last talked, but. I think that's pretty much it as far as what was going on for me on uh, those podcasts. Right. Okay. I mean, I've, I've had some thoughts, but uh, I'm certainly happy to, to listen if there's more that you wanted to talk about. Um, uh, not, not really relating to this. I mean, I've, I've been, I've had a lot of other things, uh, sort of going on, but that's not really, not, it's not really, I don't think it's, uh, related to this. So. Right. Now, plateauing is perfectly natural, uh, in, in anything that you do. Uh, so it's natural to mm. plateau. And the reason that we plateau is that the next thing hurts like hell, right? I mean, if you've ever trained for anything physically, uh, you get, uh, you make particular strides, right? It's like, yay, you know, I uh, shave 20% off my time, right? But then to go to the next 10% is uh, is really tough, right? 
Mm-hmm. So with anything, you get a, a relatively quick burst of, of improvement. And then after that, uh, it, it, uh, the, the gains are incremental and, 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 and painful and difficult, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Right, so when you first take singing training, you get like an octave or two within a month or so, right? I mean, once you learn how to breathe and you learn how to sort of do it right. Uh, and then it's not like, hey, a month later I have another two octaves, and a month later I have another two. Right? Uh, getting those those extra notes is uh, is really tough, right? So, if you and I suddenly decided to join the Olympic sprinting team, and we started training, right, we would, within a month or two, have significant improvements over our time. But of course, at the Olympic level, what is it that Seinfeld says? You know, the the, the times are so close. It's like the guy's like, if I'd have had a pimple on my nose, I'd have won, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, right, so the right. initial gains are relatively large in a very short period of time, relative to to other things. Uh, but uh, what happens then is is we we get we know that the next stage is is going to be painful and difficult to achieve, and for a lot of people. That is uh, that is where they plateau, and I'm not I'm not saying whether that's a good or bad thing, but it is a very real thing that you can get a lot of the gains of philosophy relatively quickly, uh, you know, within sort of six to twelve months. Um, in terms of you know like getting getting uh, you know, abusive people having the conversations with abusive people trying to work things out, and then if it doesn't work out, having the option to to bail. Right, you can make those choices, getting out of bad relationships that can't be fixed, and so on and uh, uh, getting out of uh, bad situations at work or whatever, getting rid of destructive friends. I mean, you can make a lot of those kinds of gains relatively quickly, you know, six six to mm-hmm. 12 months, maybe 18 months. Uh, if you, you know, Yeah, I was, I was around 18 months. Yeah, like, I mean, if you've got a therapist and, and you're in the conversation with whoever is a value to you in that process, you can make those gains relatively quickly. quickly. And that's eliminating the negatives. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that's an essential first step. Uh, but uh, but there is a plateau, and I mean I've seen it countless times in this community, right? There's a plateau where people where people have got the negatives out of their life, and then they they sort of come up to this this chasm, right? <laughs> you know, like that Nero moment in the first Matrix. You know, can I jump across to the other building, right? Like I've gotten rid of all the negatives, I'm feeling a lot better, and um, and I think it's healthy not to like you want to rest in that plateau period uh, because it you know mm-hmm. you've got to work to get it. And then you need to to rest because otherwise you're just going to have this constant level of stress in your life as you're constantly going to the next thing, and that's too much like a refu for for a lot of us, right? So, mm. so you have that uh, that rest and that pause, and that that is a plateau, and and that you know we've seen this a number of times in the community that people get a lot out of FDR, and they get to where they you know they get a lot further than where they thought they were going to get in terms of happiness and so on. And they're just like, well, okay, that's good. I'm good. <laughs> that's as far as I want to go. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, and um, uh, that is uh, where they, they leave. And I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, not everyone has to go for the Olympic gold, right? I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's not a boot camp, right? People can obviously come and go mm-hmm. as they please. But I think, I think that's important. Uh, and I think those who – I have no problem with – I mean – I'm going to say I have no problem, like it matters whether I do or I don't. But I have no problem with people who, uh, who say, well, I've, you know, I've gotten the gains that I want and, uh, and I'm done. I don't want to keep going. I don't want to. And that's, you know, that's great. You know, I mean, if you're into losing weight and 
you know, you've lost, uh, you know, you say you need to lose 100 pounds to get to your ideal weight and you've lost 50 pounds and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm good for now. You know, I mean, that's fine. I think as long as people are honest about it and saying there is further that I could go, but I've decided that this is as far as I want to go, you know, now or for the foreseeable future or whatever, because it's all about the self-honesty. And, uh, and, and I guess that's my curiosity, which is, and it's a question I think everybody should ask who's into philosophy, you know, how far do you want to take this motherfucker, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's a big question. How, how far, how, how low can you go? Like, how far do you want to go? And, there, you know, we all want to say, I want to go the whole way. You know, we all want to say yeah, that, yeah, right, yeah. don't we? Oh, I'm in. Put me down for, you know, an order of five million philosophy units, right? <laughs> we all want to say that because it seems like that's the right thing to say. Like, I want to go the whole hop. Yeah. But it's, yeah, not, for, it's not the right thing to say. Five. I sort of want to mention that sort of very clearly. It is not the right thing to say, to say, I want to go all the way, right? It's not the wrong thing to say, but, but you know, there's no point with the false machismo. No, no, and, and that's, I, I get that. And, uh, right. Go ahead. So, so, so the, there's definitely a part of me that wants to say, you know, you know hit me with everything. And, and, <laughs> that's and right. Just strap me in. I'm going, <laughs> baby. Yeah. And then there's a part of me that's going to like, be like, I don't really know. And there's a part of me. That um, is all kinds of, not that we've gone far enough, but not sure how much further. Right. And I think that's a really, really great, uh, I think that's a really, really great and honest thing to, to say to yourself because it's really important to know. Yeah. 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 That's right. I mean, nobody has to go, nobody, of course, has to go as, as far as I've gone. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, that's not necessary or required for anyone to be happy, right? Um, uh, to be, right. to be, you know, I, I mean, there are levels of happiness and there's costs and benefits to everything. Uh, I think there are some principles that, uh, that I think can help make the decision about how far you want to go, which I could sort of talk about for a minute or two if you think they'd be helpful. Um, I think that would be helpful. I think, yeah, why don't you go ahead? Cause, uh, if I had a thought, it's gone. Okay. Well, the, the first is if you're young, then I would, I would plan for more rather than less because you've got more time, mm. right? I mean, how far do you go when you're 85? Well, not that far because <laughs> you're sort of limited by time and, and ailments and so on, sure. right? Um, so if, if you're, in your 20s, uh, I would say uh, plan for, for, for going for more. If you get, uh, like some people, they climb the mountain like step by step, right? And other people, what happens is they have these big springy boots, to use a technical term. They, these huge Wiley Coyote Acme delivered spring boots. And what happens is they, 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 they take a jump and they go sp springing halfway up the mountain and then they can't maintain their, uh, their, their, uh, they, they, they can't maintain their leverage when they get there and they're skittering back down and then they jump and then they go back down and then they go further up and so on. So they get a taste of the heights, but they can't sustain it. Hmm. And 
if you're somebody who gets a taste at the heights, but you can't sustain it, you're going to be that much more driven to get back up on those heights, if that makes any sense. But if you're somebody who just goes up step by step, uh, then you might say like, you know, eh, I'm sure there's a great view from the top, but you know, there's a nice meadow here. I could build a house. I could, you know, cut down. I can, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not one for busting my legs and my lungs getting to, you know, the Nietzsche view from the the cluster of stars, right? So, uh, if if you are somebody who's gone springing around and you've had those moments where you're just like, oh my God, it's all come together. If I could just hang on to this, this would be the best thing ever. And then you know, you stub your toe or <laughs> you get a phone. And, you know, it just vanishes, right? And you're like, damn, that vision, that green door, that garden, that was beautiful. And uh, then you want to get back because you kind of be tortured by its absence if you've been there and then lost it, right? So, uh, and there's a couple of other principles, but but those are sort of the two major ones that I think uh, are really important. And and the reason, the way that you know whether you're the springy person is whether you feel a lot of anxiety around stopping, Right. So if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I've had a soft landing. I'm comfortable here. Uh, it's not for me to, to go for the gold. And that's totally fine. Right. <laughs> it's totally fine. I go to the gym, but I'm not trying to get ripped. Right. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. and then some people are and they go the whole hog and they diet and, you know, four hours a day at the gym and so on. And that's great for them. It's not for me. Um, but uh, if you are somebody who's kind of, in a sense, tortured by the plateau because you know what's beyond it, then I think it's usually a good idea to plan to go further. I, I definitely think I'm uh, much more on the uh, catapult boots side. Yeah, the springy um, boots, right? Yeah, the springy boots more more so than than the than than um, step by step. I mean, uh, the springy boots are a bitch. They really are. It's like. You know, you, you know what you're like. You're like that. You're like that dog. You know, you all see these dogs on these uh, these uh, you know America's Funniest Videos show, and it's the dog at the other side of the fence who is somehow magically bouncing up to the point where they can just see over the fence to something that they really want, and they literally or into the kitchen window. Yeah, you know, something like the boing boing. You know, yeah, sorry, this sorry, dog keep ahead. coming up, keep coming up, and it's like the dog is like, if only I could stay up here. Oh, that would be the best thing ever. And the dog can literally just die continuing to jump to see over the fence. And that's kind of what it's like when you've got the springy boots. Uh, it's what kind of gets you to the to the next thing, if that makes any sense. Uh, and uh, that's sort of the image that's always occurred for me. I mean, I have springy boots for sure. So that's... No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And um, I mean, uh, I'm definitely... I'm definitely springing at the moment. Um, uh, you know, like this, this period of time, uh, I, I, I've got something terribly exciting, uh, and, and appropriate words, uh, going on. Um, I'm going to tomorrow going to go to an acting school where I'm going to enroll or have an interview for enrollment, uh, where I'm going to do the voice acting. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. That's just great. That's, it's, like I said, it's terribly exciting. Emphasis on <laughs> terribly, uh, right? <laughs> terribly, exactly. But uh, at the same time, uh, I know that I can completely take that all the way. Where it's going to go, I really don't know. But um, that's that's one of those things. It's, it's not particularly philosophical, but it's certainly about going after my dreams, right? Going after something I've wanted for a long, long time. and doing it and if it works great if it doesn't then i've done it right 
Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's a self-expression. Okay. So, um, so given that you're kind of on the move around, around getting things that you really want, uh, you, the springy boots are going to be there. And, and so, so that's maybe the way that you break through your plateau, right? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, so as far as I'm afraid that I've plateaued, uh, let me tell you this. If you're afraid you've plateaued, you're just about to stop plateauing, <laughs> right? It means that your springy <laughs> boots are coiling up and it's going to be kapow, right? Straight. You're going to end up hanging with your, uh, you're going to end up hanging with your, your, uh, your coattails on that crescent moon that they have on the beginning of the DreamWorks video. <laughs> it's like boing. Oh, man, uh, shit. Shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would, uh, I would say if you're concerned about your plateau, it means that you're, you know, the, the rockets are rumbling underneath you and you better strap yourself in because uh, you're, you're on your way somewhere, right? Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm actually starting to see, like, the steam trails, you know, <laughs> billowing away from the tower. It's uh, all kinds of terrible and exciting and, yeah. Good, good. And that's, that's, I mean, and when we're about to hit the next growth, that's where we really need to go back to basic principles, right? Because in that new world, we, um, uh, we, we can get lost pretty quickly, right? Because we're in unfamiliar territory mm -hmm. and either old habits and bad habits are going to reassert themselves or newer habits and good habits are going to reassert themselves. But it's going to be one of the two. So, you know, as you go forward, if you have mm -hmm. success in this, which I hopefully hope you do, and you can't fail fundamentally because you're either going to give up the dream or achieve the dream both of which are a great success in my opinion um right right so i would uh, uh so yeah i would just say that you know get back to principles and you know you've gone this you're doing a spring you think up the mountain so the first thing you do is check your map and your compass when you get there not just start running around looking at stuff right just you know reorient yourself <laughs> check your map your compass go back to your basics around self rtr honesty journaling openness and so on and uh, it'll be great. So, okay, I think I think we've dealt with that. Uh, and I had some other thoughts about mm -hmm. what you said earlier, if that's okay. Oh, go ahead, please. All right. So you said a phrase which I found particularly chilling, uh, which uh, uh, is worth, I think, having a look at. You said, I can't do anything about the past. Go on. Well, I got to tell you, to me, that seems like a very bad parent thing to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. No, that makes okay. Makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, so, so tell me what uh, what was going on there. Oh, well, it 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 doesn't it doesn't really square with. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not really thinking about what I what was going on there. Um, No, I, I think I think that it was a way for me to stop the merry-go-round, but it wasn't something that was curious or uh, like really really getting at why I felt so much anxiety right. about it. Right, because because curiosity is supposed to be the antidote to self-attack, right? But in right. this case, uh, curiosity is going to lead to self-attack, right? Um, I, I think I get that. So let me just try to make sure I understood what you just said. Sure. It, if, if I'm curious about why, in just in a specific instance, right? If I'm curious about why I treated my brother the way I did, 
then that's going to open up the self-attack? Yes. Yeah. I mean, normally we, when we self-attack, we try to re retain this resolute and confident and assertive curiosity about the self-attacky voices or, or aspects of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But uh, in in this case, the concern or the fear is that uh, curi like curiosity is going to lead to self-attack, right? Because if you're sort of curious about oh. your history with your brother and explore it openly, you're afraid that the sort of the bear claws are going to close with jagged and bloody teeth on your legs and all that kind of stuff, right? Right, and 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 no amount of sparring boots are gonna gonna help. In fact, I better stop him because it's gonna be excruciating. Right, 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 right. And that's that's to me why why I sort of characterize it as a bad parent thing to say, if that makes any sense. Because that's what oh, that's yeah, what parents experience yeah. to a much greater degree. Like that's what abusive parents experience to a much greater degree when the child comes with curiosity, right? Panic, anxiety, you know, self-attack, uh, you know, all the kinds of static, which can only be controlled, so to speak, by uh, by rejection, by closing the door of conversation, right? Yeah. No, yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense for sure. All right, so you know, let's let's go hand in hand into what's beyond the door of I can't do anything about the past. Because, I mean, you, you, you weren't, I don't think you were even aware, was, you know, what a, a thing that was to say to me who has spent a huge amount of time <laughs> focusing on the past and, uh, and, and history and, and, you know, we are where we came from and the bomb in the brain studies and so on, right? Because the whole, the whole premise of self-knowledge is we damn well can do something about the past, right? Right, right. Which is to discover the truth about it. Right. So, uh, what's, uh, what's uh, on the other side? What, what was coming at you when you slammed the door called, I can't do anything about the past? What was coming down the hall? I, I, I'm trying to... It's, it's almost like I saw my brother not as he is now. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling like a, like a sadness and a horror together mm -hmm. at that, 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 that's, it's kind of a specter. It's not even. It's not even real in that way. Sure. It's just. It really is sort of a ghost of. A ghost of his childhood, if that makes any sense. Right. And uh, when you say that you beat up your brother, what do you mean? Um. Well, um, it's it's hard for me to remember exactly, and but I, the things I the things that I can remember is I know that I would punch him in the arm. Um, I, uh, you know, would 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 hold him down and torture him. What do you mean by torture him? Uh, uh tickle him or just sit on him and not let him leave. Right. Um, when he wanted to leave, you know. Um, there was one time he had this friend over, and I, I sort of 
I, I sort of, I got into the house before him and I locked him out and I was holding the window down so he couldn't get in. And we ended up breaking the window. Uh, he ended up breaking uh, the window. Is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, I think he ended up breaking the window. Right. Um, try, trying to get in. Right. And I know that I've done verbal teasing, although I can't remember anything specific. What do you mean you can't remember anything specific? I can't believe that. And I'm not saying you're lying to me, of course, right? I mean, but this went on for years, I would assume, right? This is not isolated behavior, right? No, it's not. It's not isolated. So when you say you verbally teased him, and I'm just trying to jog your memory again, I'm not saying you're hiding anything, but Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, would you call him names? Would you make fun of his uh, appearance? Would you... um, uh, you know, mock what he was saying, would you, you know, what, what is it, would you set up in possible situations like, you know, yes means no and no means yes, do you want me to hit you or whatever, right? Um, mm. How is it that you would, uh, you would tease him? You know, I'm not sure why I said that now, because all, like, all I can think about is him teasing me. Well, that's, uh, did he tease you? Um, well, if, if my father was laughing at me, he would join in and sort of add his own two cents. Um, if, uh, he would give me weird looks if I'd said something like, quote, strange, um, I can't really, I can't remember saying things to him so much as responding or, you know, pushing him around physically. Now, I'm, I, I want to just check whether or not you're hedging your terms, right? Because you say, uh, I punched him in the arm, uh, I pushed him around a little physically. Um, but earlier mm-hmm. you used the phrase beat him up, which to me seems quite, uh, I'm just trying to reconcile these two gaps. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's quite possible that is just a very extreme language because I've never, like, maybe I've given him a few bruises, but I've certainly never, like, bloodied him except for that window incident. But that was the window, mm-hmm. you know. Did you ever? Never did actually, you ever punch him in the face? No. Slap him in the face? No. Okay. So you punch him in the arm or you'd sort of uh, roughhouse him like we talked about at the Sunday show beyond his level of comfort and so on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the verbal teasing that you recall is mostly in response uh, to, to his actions or your dad's actions, right? Um, well, he would be the one teasing me more than... Much more so than me teasing him. And in like, what way I would think. he tease you? What was his uh, nomenclature? What was his nom de guerre? What did what did he teach you with? Uh, tease you with? Well, it was it was the things I, I was saying earlier. Um, the uh, so the joining in with my father at with with the laughing and and but what would they be laughing at? I mean, I'm I'm really feel like we sprung up to Switzerland here. Like, what, what, 
Give me okay. some specifics. What were they laughing at? What was said? And I'm not trying to have you revisit. I just, I don't know what's, what the content is of what you're talking about. It's all adjectives no, and no, right? No noun. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand. Uh, it's not so much as hard to remember. It's just having a hard time bringing it up. What do you mean? You mean it's that in your head, sense. but it's hard to speak about? Like I, I can visualize it, but I can't put it into words. You know, I can, I can vis- I can put myself in the situation, but I can't come up with any specific details about it. Well, uh, like, w- w- would they make fun? Like, again, let's go through the list, right? Would they call you names? Would sure. they make fun of your body? Would they make fun of your appearance? Would they make fun of your habits? Would they make fun of your personality? Would they make fun of your friends or your tastes or your hobbies or your preferences? Like, what is it that was being made fun of, so to speak? Largely, my preferences and the things I said I wanted to do. And... Uh, <laughs> And, um, you know, particular habits or maybe the way I'd say a word. I mean, some stuff that's so unbelievably petty. You mean like you mispronounce something or whatever? Not even mispronouncing it, just saying it like, like the word war. Apparently I said weird. I said it strangely. The word war. Become this. Yeah. War. Of all the words to pick, eh? Yeah. Anyway, go on. Um, just, just the, the most infinitesimally nitpicky things that like just, but, but, but not even, no, no, I take that back because it wasn't nitpicky when it came to things like I wanted to be an actor. Right. Right. And I said that when I was 10, I'm, my, my brother didn't really join in this to the best of my recollection, but my father just did a complete dream crush on that. Right. Um, as far as my brother is concerned, whenever it was a question of, am I going to stick up for James or am I going to side with dad? He sided with my father. It was, I, I can't remember a single time he stuck up for me. And um, were you? did you stick up for him? And I'm not trying to tip for dad. I'm just trying to understand. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I ever did. Yeah, you'd probably remember, right, if it was... I probably would probably would remember if I had. Okay, so what is the purpose of this nitpicky stuff? Why was it why was it done? And I think it's really important to get into the skin of those who did us harm. It's really I think it's really really important. Uh, it is um, it is how we inoculate ourselves against those types of people in the future. Like really, I think we really have to get into the skin of those who did us harm, and so. What was the purpose of the nitpicking and the dream crushing? Because everybody does, uh, everybody does things for a reason, right? I, I have these weird thoughts. I swear to God, like at least five times, no, maybe not five times a day, at least once a day or a couple of times a week, I'll look at something and I'll just think I could become obsessed by that. Like for instance, uh, we were, we were driving back, uh, we were on vacation in Mexico for a week and we were driving back to the airport and the bus window was dirty. And I thought, you know what? I could just make it my mission in life to clean this one window of the bus. You know, like I'd ride on the outside of the bus and I would just have my Windex and my paper towels and I would just keep it perfectly clean and that would be my mission for the rest of my life. 
you know, and I could completely see how people could, could become insanely attached to those kinds of things. And I, I mean, to me, I completely understand it. Um, and so far I've been able to <laughs> fight off that, but, um, uh, because obviously somebody would say, and, and if I did that, people would say, well, why are you doing this? Like, why have you suddenly become obsessed about keeping this one bus in Mexico's window clean? Obviously it would mm. be, and I say, well, how would I explain that? It would have to be a stand in for something really important in my life that the window represented that, you know, I was fixating on that to avoid, like it wouldn't just be random. And I think it's really right. important to recognize that if people have harmed us, um, it's not random. It's not random. Uh, there, there is, um, you know, maybe not conscious or whatever, but there is a methodology behind the activities. Uh, so with this, uh, with the pettiness and the mocking of, of maybe you said a word slightly funny or whatever, right? What is, what is the purpose? Why, why would someone do that? I can tell you the effect it had, which was to basically put me in a tiny little cage where I couldn't move. Right. And that's a great, great and wise thing to do, which is to look at the effect and say, well, if somebody does something to hurt me and it has a particular effect and then they keep doing it, they must at some level at least want to do it. Right. Mm. I mean, that's just a reality. Like if, if, if I make a meal for, um, Isabella and she doesn't like it and then I make the meal for her again the next day, that's right. The first day is like, well, I just thought she might like, I don't know, spinach and baby fingers, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I just make a meal for her and she doesn't like it or just feed her something and she doesn't like it. Obviously, the first time I've ever fed her that, that's no problem, right? I mean, that's just natural. Just learning what she likes and what she doesn't, right? But if I then feed it to her again, that is a very, very different story, right? Right. So if uh, somebody is doing something repetitively, yeah, we look at how it makes us feel. And I think it's fair to assume that everybody's a philosopher and everybody's a genius and therefore they know exactly how it makes us feel. Mm. And therefore, the way that we feel is the purpose of what it is they're doing. So the purpose was to... So yeah, why would your dad want you to feel that small and constrained? And I think a lot of people have gone through that. And not just in families, but in totalitarian societies, it's all about that, right? Right, right. Um, how many how many novels are there about, uh, you know, the Russian police, KGB? Yeah, you say one thing wrong, right? And you're off to the gulag, right? Or that I mentioned it many... 1984. Yeah, like I mentioned many, many podcasts ago about um, this thing that Solzhenitsyn reports about how everybody... Somebody mentioned the name Stalin uh, in, a, in a presentation, I think it was, and everybody got up to applaud, right? And everybody knew that there were secret police in the room. And nobody wanted to be the first to stop applauding. So they literally kept applauding for like 20 minutes. Their hands were red, you know, their their backs were aching, the, the sound was annoying, but nobody wanted to stop. It just went on and on and on and on because they're terrified of even that tiny gesture resulting in uh, death or imprisonment. So the effect is the intent. Yeah, certainly if, uh, if the effect is repetitively induced, then for sure, we do not act randomly as human beings, right? And whether the intention is conscious or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's important to note, but it doesn't fundamentally matter. To me, the difference between conscious and unconscious intent 
is like the guy who hits me in the car was drunk or sober. Fundamentally, I don't give a shit. The fact is he hit me in the car. You know, if he's drunk or sober, I fundamentally don't care. I just don't want to get hit by a car, right? Right. And if you say, well, if he's drunk, he's not responsible. Well, yeah, he was responsible for getting drunk. For getting drunk. And and if somebody says, well, it was unconscious, it's like, well, you're responsible. Because you have not done the things which would have brought it from the unconscious to the conscious. You haven't been honest with yourself. You haven't looked at your history. You haven't been honest with your feelings. You've avoided. You've minimized. You've acted out. You've rejected. You've done all of the stupid two-year-olds, and it's an insult to two-year-olds to say, you've done all the stupid and immature things that results in you being abusive towards other people. You are responsible, in my opinion. You are responsible. And you can't say, well, I didn't know. It's like, well, that's like saying I was drunk. You made the choice to get drunk. And if you say, well, I didn't know, well, you made the choice not to know. So, yeah, if something is repetitively happening, it's because it is serving an intention. So what was the intention? Well, um, um, the intention was to put me in this little cage. Right. And why? As long as I'm in a cage, it doesn't have to see how small he is. Right. 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 I'm talking to this guy that people have recommended uh, to talk to the therapist on YouTube. And he said in one of his videos that people have children in order to act out. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I think I saw that or saw something alluding to that. Right. In the same way that Damas says a lot of people have children as poison containers because they're helpless and dependent poison containers, right? Oh, man. (sighs) I was just thinking about the circumstances of my parents meeting and that's a very clinical way to put it i realize but um all the mythology that goes around that is uh about how they got married and you know i did the math when i was a kid and i figured out that i was not full term if i got if i was like conceived in the wedding night you know right. and there's there's all this subterranean bullshit around it um, that I, I really picked up on, but it was a choice, right? I mean, what was the choice? It's not like it was a secret. It well, it was a choice to. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, it was a choice to have sex. It was a choice to get drunk. It was a choice to all of these to things. To not use protection. Was, it was a choice even to, to not have yeah. an abortion, to get married, to all of these things, right? Yeah, all of these things, all these things were, were the choices. And I'm, that I'm glad they didn't make those choices because I think you're a valuable addition to the planet. But all of these things were nonetheless choices, right? No, right, and and certainly, uh, certainly not the kind of thing that you can say. Uh, you you can't use the sacrifice sob stories like I I sacrifice so much because even that's a choice, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I, I've never, but this sacrifice thing is, is complete nonsense. Um, 
I mean, the children don't ask to be there, right? You don't, you don't get to you don't get to buy a dog, lock it in your basement, and then claim that you're sacrificing something by feeding it. Like, don't get the fucking dog if you don't want to feed the dog, right? But that's the deal. Dog can't feed itself if you lock it in the basement. So it's either going to starve or you're going to feed it. But then to claim that you're somehow hard done by and sacrificing something because you got the dog and now you're feeding it is ridiculous. Right. I mean, it is a massive sacrifice having children. Of course it is. Monstrous. I mean, my day is snatching time for emails and podcasts in between taking care of my daughter. But the idea that I'm sacrificing something for her, that she owes me something for what it is that I'm doing as a parent is, is, is lunatic. I mean, I chose to have a kid. I worked in a daycare. I know what it's all about. I know. I mean, okay, I'm a little surprised when it's 24-7. It's still, it's more than I thought. But she's also a very exciting and uh, involving kid. Um, but the idea that she owes me something because I'm doing things for her is, to me, it's I can't I can't even express to you what a crazy notion that is. Right, and for what it's worth, I mean, from the outside, uh, that is just fantastic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, keep up, keep up the. I mean, from a complete amateur, someone who's not raising any kids, you know, you know, keep up the good work, man. It's that's just fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, she's. I mean, she's she's a she's an incredible pleasure to have. Uh, in my life, and uh, she's she's easily the nicest person I know, and uh, and so it's a real honor. Uh, but the idea that it's uh, that I'm giving something up in order to spend time with her is, you know, if, if you try as a parent to keep one eye on your former plans and one eye on your kid, it's impossible. I mean, you just your eyes are going to boing, you're going to rip apart like Roger Rabbit pulled by opposite gravity wells, right? Um, it just doesn't work. You 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 focus on your kid and you try and get the rest of your life uh, done as you can. Uh, particularly at this age, right? Because she's just nonstop uh, and she can't be left un unattended for 30 seconds, right? So uh, that just is, and she's not, you know, we, we took her, sorry, by the by, we'll get back to that. We took her to, a, I signed her up for a story time um, and we, uh, Christina didn't have uh, any patience. So we, we took her to the library where they had story time and um, <laughs> God, I'm going to post a video or something because um, all the other kids, uh, but with one exception, which was a, a, a young boy who was pretty old. But all the other kids were sitting nicely in their mama's lap while the woman up front did like the sing songs and the stories and so on, right? Uh, our daughter, you know, almost chewed her way out through my arm to get out and start running around. Uh, she desperately wanted to to climb up and sit in the sink and play with the swivel taps. Uh, and then she wanted to put all of the alcohol on her hands to clean them because we do that a lot. Obviously, she's she's out a lot. And, uh, you know, and then she she wanted desperately to get out of the room and go and play on the rocking horse. And and she's, you know, fierce, fierce willpower. It's a beautiful thing. But it's like we just like Christina and I were just looking at each other. and It was just laughing because it's like this is this is our kid. She's like footprints on the ceiling 24 seven. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, and again, you know, all the other kids, you know, and of course, the other parents, Isabella was, I think, by far the youngest kid in the room. And, you know, she was pointing at the garbage can and saying, oh, God. And then she pointed uh, at the lights and said, light. And then when the woman picked up the bear, she said, bear, you know, and she's like not even 13 months. Right. So she's got a vocabulary of like 50 or 60 words. It's crazy uh, just how quickly she's advancing. And she's running. She's almost running now. She's trotting. She's not quite able to run, but um, she's you know only supposed to be starting to walk now. And uh, so she's she's like crazy advanced uh, for her age group. And it's tough because the other parents there, 
uh, have kids. One kid was 15 months old. One kid was 18 months old and they weren't using words and one of, one of them wasn't even walking and so on. So it's it's tough. I mean, really do feel sensitive to the other parents because I know if I was in their position, uh, seeing this you know crazy advanced kid, it would be uh, it would be really it would be really tough. But um, but yeah, so so just the idea that that I'm giving something up by spending an hour and a half at the library with her um, is 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 crazy. I mean, it's this is the deal, right? You, this is what you get. This is what you do. Right. Right. No, it, it just it just sort of coalesced for me that um, when you were talking about Isabella and, and, and just how advanced she is, I mean, I was pretty advanced in a lot of ways when I was a kid. And given how small my father is, I, I can't imagine it did anything but freak him out. Right. Oh, yeah. Listen, I mean, I think that. The I I don't think I don't think Isabella obviously has some good genes I think but but I I don't think it's anything that most kids couldn't attain and achieve with the right amount of parental investment and resources. Um, the size of her, the depth of her, uh, she is like interstellar. It's like standing over a big chasm of interstellar space, looking down into her because of course she's a tiny person right? and I, I think this is helpful and useful i don't want to sort of talk about my parenting but i think this is helpful and useful to understand that the children are immense they are immense uh and again she's not even a toddler she's like halfway between baby and toddler she's and and she is immense she has incredibly strong uh willpower fierce and 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 positive and beautiful and she, you can negotiate with her even now Right. Um, I do have, like I say, wait, 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 when we have to sort of wait. Um, and uh, she, she sort of will come and, and she, you know, she, if she wants something that she can't have, she will let out some protest cries. But then if I won't give it to her, she settles down because she sort of understands that usually I do. And therefore, this time, if I don't, then I don't for a reason and so on. Um, she, she has, uh, you know, amazing preferences about things that she likes. She's fascinated by birds and airplanes. Uh, I was playing the video Sledgehammer to her, and at one point in the very background, there's a little airplane. It flashes, you know, it's a real claymation video, and she sees it, and mm -hmm. she's like, airplane, you know, she's like, bang. She's constantly listening. She's incredibly imitative, right? So uh, everything that I do, she will try to do, even if I'm not aware that I'm doing it. Uh, so she's and, – and what she is – and I'm talking about you, uh, I think, perhaps with your dad. I mean, I would guess, right? You know, what babies are that is the most incredible and terrifying thing is that they are accurate mirrors of who you are, who, how you show up in the world. You know, when we deal with adults, what we're doing with is we're dealing with these fun house mirrors of herself. You know, like they're all distorted and wavy and ripply and bulging out in weird places and so on. Because people don't reflect back to us who we actually are because there's all this bullshit called politeness and appropriateness and this and that and the other. So all of society is constructed so that nobody looks in the goddamn mirror and sees who they are in the eyes of another person. That's just fundamental to human interaction that we're all lost in these funhouse mirrors where we're distorted views of ourselves come back to ourselves. But the incredible thing is that a baby... A baby doesn't do that. A baby is a flat, straight, clear, clean mirror of who you are. Because if your baby doesn't like you, they're not able to pretend otherwise. Right? If you try to do something funny and your baby is frightened, 
it's not funny, right? It's really not funny. You don't get any polite laughter. You don't get any distortions. You get an accurate reflection of who you are. You know, when I come down in the morning, because they're usually up a little bit before me, um, you know, Isabella, you know, will start scampering up the stairs to see me because she wants to see me. I'm, you know, source of pleasure and happiness and excitement in her life. And that's great. And I know that that's real because she's not able to fake. She can't fake that. I can't bully her into doing that. I can't make her smile, right? I can't make her like me at this age. You can make kids fake it later, but not at this age, right? Certainly not when she was younger. And if I was not the source of pleasure in her life, if I were a source of stress or anxiety or pain or fear or whatever, if I snapped, if I ignored her, if I made her feel small or lesser, then she would avoid me. And I could not make her want to like me. Whereas in society, if somebody doesn't like me, I can just say, well, that's really rude. And I can try and control them through social pressure, through norms, through appropriateness, through, you know, whatever, right? You know, like when you're a, you're a kid and you, you, your grandmother gives you some ugly sweater and your parents say, say you like it. You know, just when you go in, say that you like it. Or go kiss her on the cheek, even though she's got stubble and smells like, you know, dentures and whiskey, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but, but kids, they're babies, babies are not like that when they're, uh, when they're very young, they are an accurate, accurate mirror of who you are to them. And if you're not a nice person, all of society is constructed to hide that simple fact from you. If you're not a nice person, all of society is designed to hide that simple fact from you. But it comes through like a fucking searchlight from the forehead of a baby. It illuminates you, whether you like it or not. And it puts a mirror up in front of you, and you have to look at yourself as you really are, whether you like it or not. And I think that's why people get so aggressive. It's why they feel that they need to control. It's why they feel they need to box in and minimize and crush a lot of times the young That that's that makes a tremendous amount of sense. Because you, as, just as a person, I, I don't recall that you ever said that you liked your dad. No. I just like as a person you'd meet in the park or whatever, right? Do you? Ugh. Right. I've. If you had kids, if, if I walk... to babysit, you know that kind of stuff, right? Oh God, no. I would, I would, that would never, I would never, I mean, before I, before I became even remotely conscious, um, you know, there would be the social pressure, but I would definitely be quite reticent even before I, you know, flashed on a philosophy, you know? Right. And, uh, I mean, of course it's my hope that when Isabella gets older and has kids of her own, that she'll really want me to babysit, that she'll find, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she'll find it very valuable for me to to give her my experiences as a parent to her to to be available as a resource right because i mean i had to invent this wheel all on my own right i mean i've got no in-laws to to help us out and 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 so on right so and certainly you know our parental uh, examples were not things that we want to use so i'm hoping that uh, and, and i genuinely believe that will be the case that when she gets older she'll be thrilled and 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 happy to have us available as resources to help her parents um 
But if you don't like your dad, you know, there was a long phase in your childhood that you can't remember because you were too young when you couldn't fake that you did like him. And I know you can't remember it, of course, right? But, um, but I think it's really, really important to remember that because children are involuntarily honest when they're young. They're just involuntarily honest. They, you know, if I hand Isabella, I think I've only done this once to somebody, and Isabella seemed fine with it. And this was, I think, maybe two months ago. I handed her to a woman in the library who really missed a baby, right? And she, she, her kids were older, and uh, uh, she said, "Oh, you know." And and Isabella seemed to want to go to her, and um, uh, she, Isabella sort of sat in her uh, arms for about twenty seconds, and then began to be not happy, right? Her lips began to curl and she began to tear up and she was just not happy being there. And I could not say, uh, Isabella, don't be silly. This is a friend. She's nice. She's, you know, you know, a nice person. Don't be silly, right? Right? Because she was like 11 or 12 months old. She's going through separation anxiety, right? So that's why all that's occurring. I could not, I could not have talked Isabella into being nice to the girl, to the woman rather, because right, that was the age. Now, if she was older, I could have shamed her if I were that way inclined, right? I could have right. poo-pooed her. I could have, oh, you're overreacting. Don't be silly. This is a nice person. You're being ridiculous. You know, just sit there and, and blah, 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 right? Or I could have bribed her, you know? Or I could have threatened her or, you know, but I could have muscled in to modify her behavior based upon my preferences. Right, right, right. Um there was a there was a story that my mother would tell and this sort of came up in therapy and um like one of the first things that came up in therapy and it's a story about how when i was 18 months or so my parents were at some sort of resort and they had I guess my one of my mother's siblings there who was supposed to be watching me, but I managed to get out of the hotel room and I was walking away. You got out of the hotel room and you were 18 months, right? It's something, some, something in that age. I don't know if my, I don't think my brother was born yet. Yeah, pretty young. Yeah. So I was, I was under two years old. Right. Um, so I, I, I got out of the hotel room and I, the story goes that I was found walking towards the highway. But the associations I get with that are like this, this darkness of this hotel room and then the, this, this bright green hill of kind of like freedom in a way. But, and then, then, then there's no more associations with that. But what I sort of resonates with me about that is that I was already trying to get away from them. Right. Um, I already very clear that I didn't like them right? very much. So, you know, incredibly so much so that I was willing to, you know, well, two years old, what do I know? But, you know, I was wanting to get away. Right. My calculation in my, in my toddler mind was survival is better without them. Right. I will take my chances in the fucking woods. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. 
And, you know, there's this Calvin and Hobbes thing, right, where where it's always portrayed that the kid wants to get away as a protest against sensible rules because the kid is just too immature, right? Hmm. Sure, right, right. I mean, Isabella does not want to go away because it's more fun. She doesn't – she hates going to bed because it's more fun being up. Oh, remember that. <laughs> With oh, us, man. right? Yeah. I mean, she just doesn't, she doesn't right, want to be right. up watching TV. Like, she wants to be up playing with us, right? So, so she's not going to wander off because she wants to spend time with us because you know, we're more fun than whatever, right? Um, and th- I mean, that that's also what happened to me, right? So I was like, I was like four or maybe five, but I think I think four because uh, I remember being uh, pretty low on the ground. And uh, yeah, when my mother had been just wretched and, and miserable, uh, that I just you know, snuck into the kitchen, packed up some cookies and, you know, went out like midnight. It was really, really dark. And it was a long time after, um, I had gone to bed. So I don't know what time it was, but yeah, I, I packed some cookies and I was just, I was just going to head out into the world in the middle of the night. I mean, at what extremity do you have to be as a young and tender soul to biologically take that kind of chance where any random stranger who's going to pick me up, who might have some vague interest in taking care of me is better than this place. Right. And that was my last act of overt rebellion for many, many years, because that's when my mom, you know, hurt me and just, you know, belt of the living crowd. This is when she sort of hit my head against the door. And I just really remember very consciously just saying, well, there's no escape. And, and I know why she did that in hindsight, right? Because that a child who turns away from you, who attempts to get away from you, who attempts to run away from you, who rejects you is, is holding that mirror up and holding that mirror up to somebody who is not a nice person, given that, so much in society is constructed to avoid that simple reflection, holding that mirror up. They see who they actually are without socially conformist bullshit. That feels like such an overwhelming act of aggression against a bad person to hold a mirror up to a bad person feels like such an overwhelming act of aggression that what my mother did was actually a twisted form of self-defense. Well, if I know my parents at all, I know that after that episode, there would have been a hell of a lot of yelling. At you? Yeah. At me, yelling at me, yelling at this, you know, my brother, my mother's, uh, uh, you know, person who was supposed to be watching me but was asleep or whatever. You know, maybe even, you know, sort of, maybe not yelling at the person who found me, but certainly like agitation, right? Um, just all kinds of hysterics and noise and, Right. Fury. Right. And, and of course, uh, um, if, if that, I can't, I can't even imagine, right? But if that ever occurred for myself, like if my daughter, if I left my daughter with someone and then my daughter wandered out at the age of two to some God knows where place, right? I mean, I would be completely appalled. I mean, my level of just self-attack would be pretty intense. And what I would have to do as a responsible human being, and not to say parent, would be I'd have to sit there and say, Okay, 
what just happened where I ended up making a decision that led to this. Like, right. How did I leave it? How did I leave her with somebody that was, that didn't even have the responsibility to take care of my daughter? Right. right. Like, like, so where is my judgment that I put my daughter in the care of somebody who won't, who is not taking care of her and in fact is endangering her? And I, I, you know, that would be a, a, a process of self-examination, of self-criticism. What were the steps that led up to that decision? You know, what happened this? What happened then? Why did I make that decision? And so on. And that would be a big, big series of introspective steps around what decisions that I make that led up to this potential disaster, right? Right. But uh, that requires a level of responsibility, right? Where I'm, look, I'm not going to, I mean, obviously I'll be upset, but acting out in the situation is not going to solve the problem, right? Yelling at other people when I'm the parent who's responsible for the child. <laughs> Yelling at other people is ridiculous. Well, of course, of course. I was just sort of. It's like I rent a car and I lent it to I a guy who's happened. drunk and then yell at him for crashing. It's like, but you lent it to the drunk guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Mm. So, I, I don't want to get away from what we're talking about in the moment, but I'm sort of thinking about getting into the skin of these people. Like, um, I don't know that I've, I don't know that I'm quite getting that. Like, I know what it means, but I, I don't think I'm quite getting into that skin. Right. And the reason that you need to get into their skin, we may, can, we may achieve it or we may not, but the reason you have to get into their skin is they're already in your skin, right? Mm. G getting into right. the skin of people who've harmed us is, is an act of self-knowledge because they're already in our heads, right? Right. I mean, remember that role play I did with the guy from New Zealand, right? Mm. He had mm -hmm. his dad down to a T. His dad was in his head, right? And... My Mr. Critic was very much absolutely. I remember uh, that a mirror of my father. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that very, very strongly. So I think it's important to empathize with those who did us harm because that is an act of self-empathy. That doesn't mean sympathize with them like what they did was right and blah blah blah, but to empathize with their motives so that we learn about those templates within ourselves, right? Oh, okay. So, so a big part of that would be the the uh, the desire or the compulsion even to to. I think compulsion is a better word to, to, to keep me small, to keep me boxed in. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, obviously you do that to yourself, right? No, right. Right. And right. if you're embarking upon a deferred dream, then that's getting out of that box. So that's going to provoke self attack in the form of your dad's voice and, and, you know, perhaps other people. So it is important, I think, to realize what they were up to. Right. Right, and I've 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 gotten a lot of this already, but for sure, um, it's not even so much that I've quote gotten it. I need to also, if if I want to succeed, which is whether or not it works out, right? I need to remain conscious, which is what you're saying. Going back to principles and right, going back to the self empathy and self knowledge and the right, and the the psychology of it is very complex. I'm sure, right? But but I think the principles are very simple, and I'll give you at least my nonsense take on it and, and see if it makes any sense. 
And it's a status principle fundamentally, right? Like I think I have useful things that to say to people to help them live their lives. I obviously, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I don't because I, I run this show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, of course, I, 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 I try never to tell people what to do. And I certainly say that people don't have to do it because I approve or disapprove. I always say that my approval or disapproval is meaningless. And these are just options and choices and ideas and thoughts, right? And so I think that I have... Uh, principles that can help people live their lives, but I don't enforce or inflict any of them, right? I don't run for office and say, we need to pass a law that everybody has, you know, the ecosystem conversation once a week or they go to jail, right? <laughs> Whatever, right? You have to journal every day. You have to, right? Everybody has to be forced to see a therapist, right? And so I'm sort of an embodiment of that principle of volunteerism. And, uh, of course, on the other hand, there are people like Barack Obama who thinks that he knows uh, how uh, everybody should live their lives. And he's not creating a podcast where he says, I really think that you should live your life this way. Instead, he's pulling out the guns, right? And saying, you better do it this way or you're going to jail, right? Instead of going and saying, you know, I think it's a really good idea that we bail out these banks. So here's where you send your PayPal money to. And here's where you send your check to if you agree with me. He's like, no, I'm going to fucking take your money. I'm going to send it to these banks. And if you don't pay me, you go to jail, right? Now, we all understand that from the status standpoint, but it's the same principle in families or any relationship for that matter. If uh, if I do something that, uh, if I want my daughter to like me, right, I face two choices, right? Just as the two choices we talked about with podcasting versus running a government, right? I face two choices. I can either act in such a way <laughs> that she's going to like me in a real way and not just sort of in a, I bribed you with sugar way, but in a, a real and genuine way. I can act in ways that generate respect or I can get angry when she doesn't give me what I want. I can get angry because I believe that I am entitled to the effect without the cause, right? All right. And your dad, it sounds like, when he was faced with that choice of my son at the age of two would rather take his chances out there in the night rather than stay here, right? That's a pretty powerful piece of information for a parent to get, right? And, uh, you know, you probably did not run to him when you were a toddler. You probably got kind of cautious when he was in the room. Again, this is all speculation, but I mean, he probably was not an entirely different person when he was younger, right? No, I, I, if anything, he was, um, it was worse. It, it's most likely. In, people do mellow a little bit with age, uh, even nasty people or whatever, right? But, but you, you, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a mellowing to niceness. It's just a mellowing of, you know, sort of, you lose your flexibility. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you. You, you sure. sort of, well, there's less provoking you, right? Uh, also, when you get older, right? Yeah. Career's largely done. And, uh, anyway, your kids are grown. But, but it's not likely, and I'm sort of not trying to do any kind of direct comparison, but it's not likely that you would be like jumping up and down, screeching with delight and trying to run up the stairs, even though you couldn't quite make it when you first saw your dad in the morning, right? Mm-mm. No, no, that was... Um... Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. So if who you genuinely are, if your genuine, spontaneous, honest, deep, rich, and true experience of your father causes your father pain, then your father faces a choice. The most fundamental choice. Do I change my behavior in order to get what I want from people? Or do I bully them to give me what I want? 
Right. And he very clearly chose the line. Right. It's like the same thing we don't like in economics, right? I can't compete with someone, right? So let's say some dude comes up with a podcast that's just so genius that it blows mine right out of the water and everybody goes over there. I say, well, shit, I either better up my game or <laughs> find something else to do with my life uh, or, in, or I can go to the government and try and get him shut down, right? Mm. Right. Right, like if I if I can't, some guy's asking a girl out that I want, and she seems to be leaning towards him. I can either try to become more attractive to her, um, or I can say, uh, you know, he's got herpes, right? Right, right, right. And so, if who you are is an indictment, so to speak, of your father, then who you are, your your natural, honest responses they have to go if your dad takes the dark side right if he takes the dark path they have to go you can't be who you are because who you are does like your dad that's I mean, it's, it's all kinds of complicated how it gets set up, but fundamentally, it's a very simple principle, right? No, no, right, and and that's why, and it just makes sense to me now, why there was no real argument with him right. by the time I was a teenager. Right. There simply wasn't, like, why I went to NJIT, why I went to, went into computer science, why I have the job I have now. Right. Right. It's like, you know, in the in the movies, there's this exorcism and they drive the devil out of the person, right? But to a bad person, the devil is the true self of the child. It has to be these elaborate rituals and punishments and burning holy water and fire and, and all that. I mean, you have to drive the demon of the true self out from the honest face of a child if what's reflected is harmful to your false self. So you being paralyzed, you being, right? Well, there's no choice. There's no identity. Yeah, right. So in order to erase somebody's identity, you have to simply put them in a situation where choice is impossible. And you do that by random punishments, by, uh, by te teasing and mocking, creating a lot of self-attack, by putting them in impossible situations and, you know, continually by driving them to do things that make them feel guilty and, and, Infecting their minds with religious oh, okay. gobbledygook about, uh, you know, you can't think about sex or masturbation, whatever it is, right? Oh, I, <laughs> all of those happen to apply. Sure, sure. Uh, and it's very it, much. the totalitarian impulse is, is uh, the same in families as it is in the state. And the state comes out of the family, as I've always argued, right? So, um, yep. Right, right. Quite right. Because, and you know how we talk about the sort of slave-on-slave -slave violence, right? And, you know, yeah. the thing that I find surprising to some degree about your response to the restitution video, and it's not just your response, this has been pretty common, is that people immediately think of who they've wronged and who mm, they might owe restitution to, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not UPB compliant. Right. Uh, although... Well, no. Why is that not UPB compliant? It's tricky. Mm. 
Let me see if I can dig it out. Um, I'll give you an example, uh, a metaphor, because it really is tricky, and I, you know, it's it's uh, it's it'd be hard to see even if you weren't dealing with all this stuff that you in your history that you're dealing with, right? So, uh, so if I um, uh, if I'm standing there and uh, one guy parks illegally and another guy stabs a guy, right? And I I I rush over to tell the guy not to park illegally, and the other guy dies. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, but it's illegal to park illegally, right? But right, that's still right, not you be compliant because you kind of have to look for the biggest crime, right? You have to have a sense of proportionality in your responses, right? Right. So, so, so not that. And 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 let me know if this is on the right track, but not that my treatment of my brother was all that great or even may have been harmful in some cases the greater harm was being shoved into the box yeah yeah i mean look at the crimes occurring in the family and you know once you've worked your way through the major crimes which come from the parents you know once you've worked all that shit out then you're in a position right and this is also to greg right you work out the crimes from the major actors, the only real actors in a family are the parents. The children are always reactors. Parents are actors. Children are reactors. But you deal with the murder. You don't deal with the parallel parking or the illegal parking, right? And once you've dealt with all that parental stuff, then, then and only then can you start to look at your own actions. Because you can't jump right over the body on the street to deal with the litterer, right? Right. No, no, that, that makes, that, that makes, uh, again, tremendous sense. Um, and also, I uh, just like to point out that that is what I'm exploring in therapy. Right. Because that hard, what you didn't say is you didn't say, I'm so angry because my dad owes me so much restitution and I'm never going to get it. Right, you immediately, this is just self-attack. Well, but I punched my brother in the arm, and then I sat on him, and then I tickled him, and, right? Uh, like, <laughs> okay, I dropped a few pieces of litter in the park. And I'm not minimizing, right? I mean, you understand. But relative to mm-hmm. what your parents were up to, it's pretty damn small potatoes, right? And yes, you're missing that, right? Jumping right over that hole, right? Mm-hmm. And just focusing on right. where you might have done wrong. But that is an act of self-erasure, in my opinion. That is continuance of the little box, right? And that's why you said round and round and round, right? To stop the merry-go-round, because mm-hmm. that's a little box, right? Because you're, when, you, when we're stuck in a merry-go-round, when we're stuck in those little thoughts, it's because we're missing the big picture, right? Right. right. No, that, that, that's right. And even if we are doing bad things, genuinely bad things in our life, I don't believe that the solution is ever to just start self-attacking, right? I mean, if, 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 if my parents 
even when having done bad things, if they'd sat there and processed the wrongs that were done unto them, they wouldn't have ended up continuing to do those bad things, right? Right. No, that's 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 right. And we're never supposed to we're never supposed to judge those in charge, only our fellow slaves and only ourselves, right? That's why if uh, you and I, you know, steal, I don't know, more than 200 bucks worth of stuff from a stereo store, we go to jail for two years, right? But mm -hmm. uh, the theft of taxation is legal. If you and I counterfeit, you know, 50 bucks, we go to jail, but you can counterfeit billions of dollars through the government and no jail time, right? You, you and I if will go to jail. We plan a murder. Yeah, if we go and murder someone, we go to jail forever and uh, possibly face the death penalty. But you can go start a war and cause the death of hundreds of thousands of people and you get a pension and a library named after you, right? Because right. we're only ever supposed to focus on the crimes horizontally, never vertically, never vertically. And that's why it's you and your brother, not mm -hmm. your parents and you. And I'm not saying don't ever look at you and your brother. I mean, by all means, but not first. But not first, because then what you're doing is you're saying helpless children who are performing minor injuries are the sole moral focus rather than abusive adults with all the power in the known universe relative to those children who, since they are children, are not morally responsible fundamentally anyway. It's blame the kids, blame the kids, blame the kids again, right? I don't, I don't want to be doing that. I'm sorry? I, I'm sorry, I, don't, I just don't want to be doing that. Well, you kind of do, but you shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, okay. Empirically, you kind of do because it's easier, right? And that's what we're trained to do. We're trained to focus on our own flaws. We're, trained, trained, we're trained to focus on the detritus, the little moral scraps of possible negativity in the everyday. And we're trained, we're trained to completely ignore the massive crimes going on around us from those in power. And we're just focusing on each other, you know? That's so why I was thinking about bickering couples, you know. You said this, you didn't do the dishes. It's like, of all the fucking crimes to focus on in the world, is who did the dishes really what you're going to spend your moral energies on? <laughs> but that's what we're trained to do. We're trained to pick at each other, you know, like picking at each other's scabs and wounds and focusing on the stupid moral bullshit of the everyday, which is irrelevant relative to the greater moral questions. But of course, once we start raising the greater moral questions, which in your case is, the parents, not the siblings, uh, well, things get challenging, right? Because we have a tough time doing it, and then when we bring it up with anybody else, they try and put us back in the box because then they feel like they're going to have a tough time doing it, and they're right. Because once you change mm -hmm. that, once you go with UPB, right, UPB is like the theory of relativity, right? Theory of relativity just says if the speed of light is constant, what then? And it turns out that everything changes. And if we just say, well, what if the non-aggression principle is constant? What changes? Everything. Everything. And it's really wrenching and disorienting in the same way that going from Newtonian physics to Einsteinian physics is wrenching and disorienting. It just happens to be right. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Yeah, somebody's wrote in the chat room, kill a man and you're a murderer. Kill many, you're a conqueror. Kill them all and you're a god. <laughs> Very nice. But yeah, I would I would focus on the harm that was done to you first and foremost and for quite some time and worry about that. Uh, or not worry, but, but think about that, meditate upon that. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, once you've processed that and you, cause you can't understand what you did to your brother until you've really processed what was done to you, right? No, I, 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 I believe that's true as well. I mean, right, right. Why would I have, why would I have punched him if I don't understand? Yeah, you can't understand that without understanding your parents and, and their choices and their behaviors and why they did what they did. Your, your behavior then has no context. Is is it it it? Mm. I kind of sometimes I really get stuck. Uh, with them as monsters. Sorry, with them as monsters? With your parents as monsters? Yeah, yeah, the, um, that, that's what they are. Sorry, you mean you think that they're not, or you think that they are? Um, um, no, that I, that, I, that I think that they are, and, like, and I don't go any further than that. That makes sure, sense sure. whatsoever. Yeah, and look, I mean, the, the challenge of processing parents is that we have the intellectual and moral perspective of adults, but that's not what we had when we were children, right? That That is the real challenge, right? I mean, if children were philosophers, they wouldn't take it personally, what their parents were doing, right? Because they would have understanding and family history and psychology and self-knowledge, and right, they wouldn't take it personally, right? Any more than I take it personally when some crazy guy yells at me on a street corner while waving 12 Bibles around, right? I don't take it personally, right? I don't think he actually thinks I'm going to hell because he can see my soul with his, you know, crazy flecky eyes, right? Right, right. So I don't take that personally. But as children, we take everything personally. We have to. We have no choice. I mean, that's who we are. That's how we're programmed. Our brains are smaller. They're a third the size. They're different. They're, right, immature. Mm-hmm. And so that's the challenge. This is, the, this is what we bounce back and forth. We say, well, my parents are monsters. And then we say, well, but, you know, they had their own histories. They had their childhoods. They were doing the, you know, whatever. All the excuses come up, right? But the reality is that we didn't have that information that perspective that quote maturity when we were children but that's what we have to process and so we start falling into the sort of quote black and white of of viewing our parents morality or immorality if you know i'm just talking about abusive parents of course right and we fall into that and then we yank ourselves back up and we say well it's not that simple right but the reality is that when we were children it actually was that simple but we don't want to get into those little britches, right? 
We don't want to get into that black and white view because we say, well, that's not sophisticated. That's not mature. And also a black and white view was sometimes used, if not often used, to inflict punishments upon us, right? And um, uh, and, and that is the challenge, that we kind of have to go back to a comic book simpler time of right and wrong, of pain and pleasure. And we have to process that. And I don't think we can process that by lecturing our inner child and say, well, but there was always perspective and they had their histories and the, you know, blah, 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 right? Because that's not what our inner child experienced. And it's just another way of not experiencing what happened, right? You know, to, to withhold the judgments that came 20 years after the events and let the actual events occur as you experience them. That is integration, in my opinion. Yeah, hold off these buzzing flies and, and wasps and bees of la later formed abstract judgments about, you know, shades of gray and complexity and blah, 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 and the, the generational chain and the, the cycle of abuse and blah, unconscious this and that, right? Because what we actually need to process and integrate were the actual experiences we had as a child, which is frankly nothing to do with all of that stuff that we get later. And that stuff is useful. It's just not appropriate to what we experience as children. And it's just another way of avoiding the experience. Right. And so the experience of my parents as monsters is the one that the one to explore yeah that is the one to explore and my strong suggestion you know this is you know defer to your therapist in all cases right but my strong suggestion uh -huh. is you just go into that feeling that experience integrate that deal with that listen to your inner child with regards to that experience and don't lecture your inner child don't lecture your inner experiences by saying well but you don't have the correct perspective you don't have a seasoned and mature perspective because your inner child is going to say, yeah, I'm five, right? Mm -hmm. So, right. Right, right. It would be inappropriate to lecture, and in fact, I think destructive, counterproductive, to lecture your inner child, so to speak, with the perspective of wise and mature and abstract adulthood, because that's not what was actually experienced. And the inner child needs to be listened to. It needs to communicate that experience. So just go with it. Hey, monstrous, let's go with monstrous. Let's go full tilt boogie with monstrous until that's all integrated and absorbed and understood. And afterwards, you won't need to fight for a more seasoned perspective. It will just be there, but you won't be overleaping that. Right, right. Because, oh, and I tell okay. you, sorry, the last thing I'll say uh, is that the reason I think this has also come back up for you want simple enthusiasm about your voice acting, right? Mm. You don't want yeah. seasoned, well, maybe this, maybe that, what if this, what if that, well, you know, it's risky and I've got a sure thing in this cubicle and who knows, and right? Lots of people fail and, you know, I'm too old uh, relative to some of the people who were getting in who've been doing it since they were six. And, you know, you don't want that. What you want is the simple childish mad enthusiasm to just do it full tilt boogie, right? You don't want that complexity right. with some things. You want it with some things. You really don't want it with other things, right? Because it clouds no, and I... diminishes and befogs the intensity and beauty of the moment, right? 
and and that is uh, that is exactly what I've been experiencing. Right. So if you want that simple enthusiasm, that comes you know from the inner child. If you want that simple enthusiasm, then you often have to take the simple monstrous. Right. Right. Otherwise, why? Otherwise, it doesn't make sense why the why I of eighteen months would run away. Right. I mean, Isabella is incredibly assertive and incredibly gentle. Right. And you were sitting on people and punching their arm, right? That's a pressure cooker, right? That is a lot of tension and a lot of self-control that can only find relief in controlling others, right? You get this heavy, heavy load of self-control and just like, I can't, my arms are dying. They're going to fall off. I've just got to control someone else to get some relief, however briefly. No, that, that that's that really makes a lot of sense. Um, thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome, man. I mean, I appreciate you uh, calling. I know. I mean, and I knew it was a, it was a challenge. Um, you don't lightly call on the BCF, uh, so <laughs> I knew that it was a challenge, and I, I hope that it's been helpful. Oh, it, it certainly has, and. Uh, I mean, I've definitely been getting into this with, with my therapist. And actually today I had a double session, which was, you know, all kinds of intense and, but really, really helpful. Um, and, um, but this perspective is also helping me to see like, And, you know, obviously will definitely work with my therapist, but also to, to get, um, I guess to the thing, the things I can continue to work on, you know, in, in addition to uh, the things I'm working on in therapy. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'll send you a copy of this and, uh, you can let me know what you think. Yep. Um, I think maybe there's a couple of snips, but other than that, I have no problem releasing. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, well done. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.